Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 292, covering The Fight and Think Tank. Friends, we just spent the last 90 minutes with these episodes on in the background, mostly talking about comic books. Yep. Sounds like so something that's, we do. That's a good sign. Uh-huh. The thing is, one of them is very good. Actually, yeah, we quite like the second one, but the first one... Another might... of them is the opposite of that word. And remember last week we had Harry Catches Love VD mm-hmm. and uh, nothing, nothing Matters on Melty Voyager. Nope. So this is now the third in a row that is maybe one of the worst episodes we've ever done. See, the thing is, at least with those episodes, you know, Melty Voyager happened and Harry cut but nothing, VD. But nothing happened in that Melty episode. No, like nothing all, did happen. You know. Well, I mean, you know, a bunch of people died. Who, when, like, nobody else ever knew about and nothing. Yeah. Ugh. Yep. Ugh. Now, this is just the third one in a row. Yeah. It's just like, this is super terrible. Sorry, you were going to defend those somehow? No. Well, I mean, at least okay. something happened in both of them. I can t- I had so much trouble writing a summary for this episode because fucking nothing happens. Well, and when you go on Memory Alpha and see the quotes from people behind the scenes, this is one of those rare times where we really hated it, and so did they. Mm-hmm. That which, never happens. No. Usually, usually we're... Usually patting a hole in their own back. Or, you know, like the fandom apparently doesn't like this either. Like the, the large majority of Star Trek fans did not also yeah. care for Although this. Although we're also which, talking we're also talking about a fandom that voted uh, Into Darkness as the worst Star Trek movie of all time. Uh, which it definitely is not. It, no. And, you know, I mean I'm still mad at that, but uh, no, it's C- definitely not. Come on, guys. Star Trek five exists. But we're you know, we often find ourselves on that like past tense island. Mm-hmm. Or, as I said, when we approach the fourth episode, okay, let's see if we get four bad episodes in a row. We call that a hat guy trick. <laughs> pretty proud of that. That's pretty good. But, uh, you know, That's this the kind time, of joke you'd write home about if your parents gave a shit about Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would have to explain so much first. Oh, man. <laughs> Here's three pages of setup of why this joke is funny. <laughs> Oh, boy. But, uh, no, thankfully the fourth one, like, the second episode for us this week was good. But first, we have to suffer through the fight. Matt, why don't you tell us some words? Maybe not what happened, but at least uh, talk for a little while about it. All right. Where to even start with this moronity? (laughs) Okay, so Voyagers become lodged in the snow yet again. Christ, getting through the Delta Quadrant is tough enough with all the pit stops. Never mind all the fucking weather conditions. This time, the problem is chaotic space, which my years as a collector of Games Workshop miniatures has led me to believe is a giant hole in the universe that literally leads into hell. And it's four chaos lords, Tizanich, Slanash, Nurgle, and Korn. Blood for the blood god, skulls for the skull throne. That goes out to three people. But alas, what chaotic space actually means is that Chuck is having hallucinations due to him being susceptible to dementia or Alzheimer's or whatever. Great! Another Star Trek episode about that! It also features a metric shit ton of boxing, otherwise known as the sweet science, despite it being neither of those things. And also Starfleet Academy Gardner and the most important character in the universe, Boothby, is there. 
Because, like everyone else in Starfleet, Chuck and Boothby had a special bond. Man, this dude bonded with literally everybody. Like, I thought what we had was special, man. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, using the power of genetic mental illness, Chuck eventually punches chaotic space until it stops being a problem. Somehow. Man, I don't know. I literally just started reading Moon Knight comics at about the 20-minute mark. Uh, I tried so hard not to check how how much time was left because this is one of those like I know it's going to be 27 yeah. minutes and, and then I did I waited a really long time and then I checked and then it was 27 yeah minutes. it's like it's like oh this has to be getting near the climactic end look how climactic everything's looking Chuck's wailing on a ghost or something and Boothby's yelling <laughs> at him a space ghost but not space ghost no god I wish <laughs> hey Chuck how's it going he's shooting he's shooting Chuck with his solar ray <laughs> It seems to be feeding on the race. Then stop shooting it. Also, there's a there's a there's a a, a god of chaos called Corn. Corn. Like I see you spelled it K H O R N E, but Corn. Yeah, no, it's Corn. Trust right. me, I I remembered all their names, but I did have to look up the spelling because Tiznich is a rough one. I don't know anything about what you just said, mm-hmm. but just just for the handful of nerds out there who do. I mean, I don't have to get every reference. You and Flonk were delighted by some buzz marketing, some other podcast last week. So, oh, sure. You know, we love buzz marketing by other podcasts. Well, that, that as he explained it to me, that's what you were doing. Mm-hmm. But uh, hey, you know, I, I got mine, too. I got my like because I'm very old and I remember the 70s references from time to time. Sure. So I will guarantee you didn't spend as much money on whatever as I did on uh, Games Workshop crap. No, I definitely didn't. I don't know what Warhammer is. For the longest time, I thought it was a front organization for something else because I would see stores at the mall and I know a lot of nerds. Yeah. And until I met you, I never met anyone who played, collected, in, like uh, <laughs> indulged in. Funny thing about that Games Workshop store, nobody ever comes in. Nobody ever comes out. <laughs> or it's like that old uh, Patton Oswalt bit where they just, they, they sell heroin. Yeah, exactly. Old Willie Games Workshop place clo- uh, closed that place 20 years ago. All the also, other miniature play pieces people were sending in spies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, chaotic space is definitely a thing that happens, though. Chaotic fucking space. From the people who brought you the Necrot Expanse, it's chaotic <laughs> fucking space. Which he here uh, is represented by a jumble of clearness floating around the universe. We get that same sort of wibbly wobbly, timey wimey effect that we saw last week. Mm-hmm. That is like, oh, so I guess their video toaster has this setting. Yeah, I'm literally like, is the is Voyager melting again? How often can a spaceship melt? I don't think you guys are taking very good care of Voyager. There's a lot of, like, there's more Technobabble in this than in your typical Voyager episode, which is a super lot. Oh, man. There's a part where uh, Chuck just grabs the doctor and is like, <laughs> the plasma manifold is cor- is discoralined. I, I wrote some of these down. An 18th dimensional gradient, a trimetric fracture, mm-hmm. and a paralateral, and then I just kind of trailed off. No nope, paralateral. Synthoflavo. Ah, ah, yeah. Just the worst. Oh, god damn it. So, okay, where to begin? Like, I, we clearly didn't care for this, the but thing let's, is, let's break it down. The thing is, this episode is supposed to be, like, it's supposed to be a Chuck episode. It's supposed to be about, like, you know, his past and, like, um, you know, his grandfather. Yeah, his tragic family back. history. 
like his tragic family history and a and a uh, a leisure activity that he's interested in. Mm-hmm. So we might we might learn something about him. Maybe. Except like it, with every Chuck episode, we don't learn shit. Except that Chuck is a very boring man. He had a grandfather who like had a genetic uh, uh, abnormality mm-hmm. that resulted in him uh, suffering from a type of dementia. Which okay, but that's not that doesn't tell us anything about Chakotay. Yeah, no, like I. Uh... I really wish they'd just kill this character off. I'm so tired of him. I The thing is, we talked about this before. Like, we hate Neelix because he's just irritating and he's usually the comic relief yeah. and he's up in everyone's face and we just don't like him. We don't like Harry because he's super self-important and whiny. Mm-hmm. Chuck, there's nothing really to hate. There's nothing really to like. Like, a good writer could come in and make him something and I keep waiting for that to happen and yeah. it just doesn't. That's the thing. If you get back to the first episode, there's something there, you know, like the guy a was... A handful the... of the early episodes, too. Like, the guy was, like, the leader of, like, his cell of, like, this terrorist group, and he's super spiritual and all this stuff, and it... <sighs> well, and he's a former teacher at Starfleet Academy, so he's yeah. probably, like, an intellectual, he probably has, like, he didn't just charge blindly into this cause, he probably gave it a lot of thought. Yeah, but, like, most episodes of this show, like, if you replace Chuck with, say, your Chakotay action figure, they'd be exactly <laughs> the same. Yeah, and I haven't taken it out of the package. Wouldn't no. matter. Mr. Chicote, why are you wearing that? Why, why are you covered in plastic and a cardboard sign that has a picture of you on it? <laughs> why is there a, a, a one-color phaser with the same color beam coming out of it? Mr. Chicote, I have a lot of questions about how you choose to present yourself. Yeah. Mr. Chicote, can you even hold the accessories you come with? It doesn't look like he can, but again, haven't taken him out of the package. So. Mr. Chicote, why is your comm badge significantly larger than you and has a peg so you can stand on it? <laughs> I think you just answered your own question, Captain. The thing about Chicote, and I've said this on the show before, but it bears repeating, is there's, like, most of the time, mm-hmm. seriously, like, 75% of the time, anything he says, and I don't remember when I noticed this, but now I can't stop noticing mm-hmm. it, is, is the, like... The obligatory, we're doing an exposition, we got to have someone say, their shields are down, or our our energy is down to 75%, or we can't go to warp, you know, something like that. Like, just a guy who says the middle thing between the two interesting things. Yeah. It's always him. And it could be Harry, it could be Ensign No Name of the Week, it could be anybody. Like, there's nothing inherently Chakotay about most of the things he says. Yeah. It's almost like... You remember Sigourney Weaver in uh, Galaxy Quest, how she just repeated what the computer said? Oh, uh, yeah. It's, I mean, that was that was meant to be, you know, Michelle Nichols with hailing frequency. Oh, no, I completely it. understand what the reference was. But it's like that, except that in, it, he just says what the computer should be saying. But, I mean, what, what I'm saying is, I mean, I, obviously you got the reference. That was super yeah. obvious. But what I'm saying is, like, that's a different problem. Mm-hmm. That's a we don't know how to use our pretty girl problem. Mm-hmm. This is a whole other, like... They just don't care. Yeah. And having read a bunch of that behind the scenes stuff, it seems clear he doesn't care, too. Mm. And it's kind of a like a cold war between him and the writers. Like, well, I'm not going to quit. Well, we're not going to write you anything good. Yeah. So good. We just get seven years of this. And I keep waiting. Like I said, someone could come in. It's kind of like, you know how you hear Superman is a boring character because... The person who says that has never read a good Superman yeah, exactly. comic. I've heard that plenty of times, and it's like, so you've never read All Star Superman? Okay, fine. Yeah, or any number of other good Superman. Oh no, there's stories. plenty. That's just the one I give people. Right. I would uh, suggest a handful of good uh, animated episodes. Absolutely. 
where the character is like, no, this is this is what he's about. If you like, can't watch that fucking, sorry, I'm getting off on a soapbox here for a second. If you can't watch that fucking one where he fights Darkseid, like, and still think Superman's a boring character, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. If you can't watch that one where everyone thinks he's dead and he's been zapped to uh, the, the far future where the sun is red and he's got to survive on his wits and he doesn't have powers. Yeah, that's a good one, too. That is my favorite one. One of my favorite Superman stories of all time. Mm-hmm. But what my point is, that is a character that appears to be bland if you've only seen the bland stories. Because there are plenty. Oh, there, sure. I definitely see that case if you haven't seen the good ones. And then a good writer can pick him up and say, no, no, there's some good interesting stuff here. Mm-hmm. And Chakotay is that kind of character. Take the interesting things about him. He's largely supposed to be a pacifist. Mm-hmm. And Except like you said. Isn't. Well, yeah. And like you said, he's, you know, he's the leader of the, the Maquis and he's spiritual. Like there's there's strands there that you could build a good character out of. Just nobody ever has. And yeah. this one doesn't do anything toward that end at all. Yeah. It's just the same fucking. It, it's, it's so much wheel spinning, honestly. Yep. Well, and this is effectively your bad thing, right? Yeah. Like this episode just boring. It's a boring character and his boxing adventures and a bunch of hallucinations for 40 minutes. Like. What? I don't like Chuck. I don't give a shit about box any boxing that doesn't feature a man telling me to join the Nintendo Fun Club. I don't <laughs> care. And like, <sighs> maybe maybe if we'd watch Chuck uh, battle a uh, escalating series of racial stereotypes. Oh no! Listen, if if Chuck fought King Hippo, and, yeah, I would be fucking sold. Like. That would be fantastic. If if Mike Tyson showed up at the end so that they could compare facial tattoos, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, that would be much better. Uh, we, we got a moment where Neelix is giving him a rub down. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. So that's something. Uh-huh. <laughs> Neelix giving a massage is the only... T- that's the only massage where you are less relaxed when you get up. Yeah. Oh, I, if I, I if if you asked me sort of unsolicited to come up with a uh, like five things that I never want to see in the show, Neelix giving anyone a shirtless rub down, like any character, even uh, characters I like. No, thank you. Oh, I bet fucking uh, I bet it. I bet his fingers feel like if you drop sandpaper into a bowl of hummus. <laughs> ah. but, the, but you forget the hair. Because there's hair in that too. Oh yeah, and it's also it's a it's it's hummus, but there's a big chunk of pubic hair in there too. Oh god, I think uh, I think Clarence Thomas picked up on a woman by saying, "Is that a pubic hair in that hummus?" <laughs> That's one of those references you probably won't. Get. No, but I enjoyed it anyway. Okay, uh, my bad thing. Yes. for this episode, uh, what to choose? Oh, like you got a candy uh... store. <laughs> so many options. Oh, you're like a kid that uh... came to workshop factory. I'm like a kid chaos in a something. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there in a minute. Um there's there's a moment uh, cuz this this still goes with the Chicote is a nothing character thing. Harry, who I'm not even this isn't even my I hate Harry thing this mm-hmm. week. This is just Harry as the junior officer as the young guy looking up to people mm-hmm. like just like again, putting aside that we hate him and just treating him as as the young guy says, "I don't want to lose you Chicote, you're my mentor." What? Yeah, seriously? I I mean, outside of the bridge where you give orders and acknowledge orders and read what the screen says, Mm -hmm. like when you have to talk to each other outside of work, had these two ever said two words to each other ever? I we thought about this. I cannot think of a single time when those two have exchanged have talked 
I mean, it must like have happened. Like an off-duty scene, like yeah. in, the, in, in the mess hall or on an away mission even. Yeah, it must have happened. We're five years into this show, but I can't think of any. Yeah, they've probably paired up every character at least once at this point, mm-hmm. but I don't remember. I certainly, like, if Balana said he was her mentor, I oh, would yeah. believe that because they've said that a few times. Yeah, and absolutely. they've kind of shown it a few times. But Harry? No. Harry's mentor like, is the captain. Yeah, very clearly. Clearly. I mean, it's fun to make jokes about how he's a mama's boy, but really, they've they very much said mm-hmm. he looks up to the captain and wants her to be proud of him. He's never once said anything like he's respectful to him because mm-hmm. he's the first officer and Harry respects the chain of command. But he's not his. There's mentor. no like there's no connection with those two characters. None. Know? They're like they're literally just the two guys that work together. Even if even if it was Tom mm-hmm. who said to Chakotay, look, we had our differences but I kind of like you. And honestly, like, I don't say this out loud, but I kind of look up to you. Yeah. I would actually almost believe that because Tom's got that kind of rogue thing going and he he might respect the guy who doesn't always follow the rules kind of thing. Mm. But for Harry, it makes zero sense. Yeah. Like, what? Just none. Where did that even come from? I just but picture again, the writer's just like, well, Harry, I mean, Harry respects him, right? Like, he's kind of Harry's mentor. Everyone's well, no, everyone's like, sad because he might die. Excuse me? And... They all chime in and say why they would be affected by his death. And that's that's what Harry says. I don't want to lose you. You're my mentor. What? What? Excuse me? Yeah. it It's just sloppy. Yeah. Harry, Chico- Harry, Chicote may die. It's not cool to just make shit up about him now. Yeah. Come on. Don't don't add insult to injury and like uh, patronize him. Yeah. To be honest. You're I've my al- best friend. I've always admired your tattoo, sir. Oh, come on, man. I don't have that kind of courage. <laughs> and I bet it would hurt a lot. Telephone. <laughs> to be clear, I still hate Harry a lot. Yes. I just I was trying to put that aside to make my argument here. But, uh, ah. Every time they do a close-up on him, in my head, I just hear, yeah. I don't even hear words anymore. Miss. <laughs> yeah. Just awful. But Tom's Chicote- throwing paper airplanes again. <laughs> No, they're 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 airplanes from the 20th century that I made out of paper. You see, <laughs> this one has a propeller. That's hard to do with paper. Yeah, it is. Um, but really, like we get nothing about Chicote at all, yeah. and mostly, I, it even said this in Memory Alpha. A lot of people, including I think one of the writers, had a hard time following what the hell was going on. Uh huh. I know. Like, I did. I guess. I guess this chaotic space is a region of space where. The normal laws of physics don't apply, and <laughs> yeah, they can apparently only... you can change the laws of physics. It turns out, yeah, take that, Scotty. Oh. And so, like, I guess some entity is communicating with him because he's got the crazy gene, and yeah, they actually call it's... it the crazy gene at one point. Yeah, like, like they don't even. Yeah, what, it, what was it like? They were just trying to like guide them out of chaotic space. That was the deal. yeah. They were trying to communicate, which I I do like those kinds of episodes. I, I always I say this a lot, but I like alien aliens that can't just bring up the screen and talk to you in English. Yeah. Like I like when they have to do weird shit, but mm-hmm. this didn't work. No, there's they actually the, to... like there's a scene when the aliens talking to him that's like, what is this? It's it's made up of like. Uh, like words from throughout the episode or something that's kind of cool. I kind of like that. It's it's similar to the way the uh, the prophets communicate to Ben. Yeah, like, where they're speaking to him as guys he's seen. Yeah, but only like, with this they're using words. It's it's almost like you're making a ransom note out of words you out cut of out of conversations. From... Yeah, <laughs> it's not a bad idea actually. I kind of like that. I'll write that down. We'll do that if we ever get around to kidnapping someone. 
what make a ransom note out of Voyager dialogue? Yes. Okay. I'm sure you I'm sure we've got enough Voyager quotes saved on your computer at this point. Yeah, I I mean I I keep everything, so yeah. Yeah. Hello. Uh, Hello, kidnap victim. You're quite Hello, good kid at chaos. Turning me on. <laughs> Speaking of kid chaos, let's go ahead and talk about that. Okay, this is actually so, your good thing. Yeah, so uh the chaotic space is represented in Chuck's hallucinations as kid chaos. Ugh. A boxer. The uh, the boxer, and we finally get a, a most of the episode. He's got his back to to Chuck. He's wearing like a, uh, a boxing robe. Is that right? Yeah, you know that that uh, the hooded robe that the hood, uh, yeah. boxers wear when they come out. Um, There's probably a word for that, but I don't know it. And it says "Kid Chaos" in the back. Unfortunately, not spelt with a K. Um, <laughs> but we finally get him. We finally turns around and we see what he looks like, and he's like a big galaxy, like wearing a robe. And it actually looks pretty cool. But a humanoid shape with, like, galaxy patterns in it. Yeah, it's like, if you've ever seen Marvel Comics, what Eternity looks like. It's kind of like that. It's like a big, like, just stars and, like... I Yeah, I've definitely seen this in a comic before. Yeah. I was thinking of it as a Captain Universe. Yeah, that, that works, too, yeah. Where it's, like, the outline of a person with space inside it, yeah. basically. I didn't like it in this. Like, I liked it... On its own, but in Star Trek, I thought it looked kind of dumb. No, I, I I dug it in an episode that has like almost nothing. Oh, there's nothing going yeah. for it. I'll oh, latch on to that. That looks neat. Oh uh, well, my good thing is a little uh, even less like uh, less coherent. Mm. Like I I okay, I don't understand why Boothby's in this episode, and we'll talk about that in a sec because uh -huh. you definitely have some opinions on that. Uh, except that he kind of resembles Burgess Meredith and Rocky. I'm gonna assume that's why he's in this. Because he's he's Chuck's trainer. He's sure. on the side, like yelling, you know, yelling at him. He plays. Uh, I like. He's the uh, what the fuck was that guy's name? In Mick. Rocky. Mick, right? Mick. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So, but I'm going to assume that's why they put uh, Ray Walston in this because he, he, he kind of a short old guy with sure. an interesting voice yelling on the sidelines. Okay, or uh, outside the ring, not the sidelines. I don't know sports. <laughs> anyway, I liked Burgess Meredith. This is as close to a good thing as I can think of, that this episode reminded me I was a fan of a guy who never appeared in any iteration of Star Trek. Can't oh yeah, Burgess Meredith exists. Thanks. can't believe Burgess ne Meredith was never in an episode of the original series. I, I didn't look this up, but I'm pretty confident that no, I, he did I feel like we would have, I feel like we would have mentioned that when we were doing those episodes. He definitely doesn't, like, I mean, he was the Penguin and he was in a bunch of Twilight Zones. Yep. Like, he's definitely in a bunch of pop, like, he wasn't a, a, a stuffy enough actor that he wouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. But I just don't I think mean, he ever did. He was the Penguin. You can't be a stuffy actor and be the Penguin. Yeah, but you could you could make an argument that that's comedy. Mm -hmm. Whereas Star Trek does tend to take itself seriously. That is true. So. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I was reminded of an actor that I liked. And now I am who, reminded that I should watch an episode of Batman, the, uh, Batman 66 with the Penguin. Uh, what you should watch. Mm -hmm. I mean, you should watch that. But you should also watch um, the uh, Return of the Cape Crusaders uh, animated thing that just came out. Oh, recently. trust me. I'm going to. Which was quite good. I'm pretty excited to watch that. Yeah. Even, even if Adam West does sound like he's actively dying. During oh, no. Adam West is, is sounds sad, but uh, everyone else is great. Like uh, Burt Ward and I um, almost called her Selena Kyle. Yeah, that's that's her real Yeah, the name. actress's name, Selena Kyle. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Julie Newmar. They both, I mean, they sound older, but they sound pretty good. Mm -hmm. And the sound alikes they have for everyone else is pretty good. Nice. But um, 
there's I'll tell you this, and this doesn't spoil anything because I won't tell you the context. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a point. There's a point where Adam West actually says, "This is an operating room, and I'm the surgeon." <laughs> That's great. And it's not a spoiler because the situation that creates it is is really the part I, I shouldn't ruin for you, and I won't. Uh-huh. But that actually does happen. That's fucking awesome. Yep. Um, do you hear they? You heard they're doing a sequel to that now. Eh? I did. So I well. did. Speaking of Star Trek, yeah. uh, William Shatner is going to be in it. Yeah, they're uh, they're adapting the uh, the Harlan Ellison Two Face. Are they definitely doing that? Yes, we the, were wondering about that before. That's right? what I heard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and the thing is, Shatner as like an actor from that period who knows how to not take himself completely seriously, actually a pretty good fit. That's a good choice, honestly. Yeah. Better than casting a modern voice actor. Like you want to get someone from that era mm-hmm. who kind of knows his way around cheese. <laughs> So that's good. I mean, he does like for all his faults. Yeah. That guy gets like, you know, that guy and Adam West are kind of on the same wavelength these days. Yeah. Yep. I can see that. So anyway, um, yeah, Boothby. Let's talk about Boothby. I I feel like I've had this rant a lot. Like, well, because he keeps coming back. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I have this rant every time he shows up. That's why I didn't make him a bad thing this time. But yeah. stop it. Well, like, this is the last time. Like uh, I, I get it. What's his What's his actual name? Ray Walston. Ray Walston is a fuck of a good actor. He is. He was my favorite Martian, and he was some other major thing I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. But he's been in a couple of high profile things that he's been good in, and they like him. Like he's he was great in that original TNG episode. Yeah, and he's great uh, as like the head of eight six seven five three zero nine when they were doing that episode. Um, stop bringing him back because. It, every time you bring him back, it makes less and less sense. Like, when he first showed up, he was, like, this old gardener dude that Picard had, like, a really close connection with, you know? And it's Yeah, Picard like, came back to the... This is the Wesley Kilda guy episode. Yeah, yeah. He came back to the, to the academy because he had business there, and he checked in on his old friend. Yeah. And, like... But, like, having... You know, having him come back and having Kate have, like, a connection with him, and, like, she, he gave her a flower every day... And then, like, coming back to him again and having Chuck have a special connection with him and, like, he was Chuck's boxing coach or whatever. Like, it just makes the character less and less unique and more and more just like, oh, yeah, I was friends with literally every kid who's ever been to Starfleet Academy. No, no, only the important ones. Yes. Only the ones who went on to be captains or first officers. Mm. Like. That's it. (laughs) Just every time you use him, you make him less and less interesting and special and fucking knock it off. I agree. Also, okay, so in this, the whole idea is that Chuck has been uh, on his off time uh, doing a boxing simulation on the holodeck. Uh-huh. Okay, whatever, fine. In fact, I will give it, uh, begrudgingly give it a point or two for not making up some stupid future sport and just using a sport that we have on Earth now that we recognize. Yeah. Like, boxing is boring, but hey, at least they're not coming up with, like, Parisi squares or whatever. So, okay, that's good. Pyramids. Um, and what's that? Pyramids. Uh, oh, Yeah. Is that the next one? Uh, that was Battlestar, I think. Oh, okay. Because yeah. there's a puzzle thing in the next one. Ah, oh, Christ. Anyway, um, but in this simulation, uh, Boothby is his uh, boxing coach. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then as he's starting to, to lose his mind, he's seeing the simulation because it's the most recent thing in his mind. So that's why Boothby's in this episode. It's super contrived. Mm. So... It does, it, like, it makes no sense that mostly no. it was clearly just, yeah, let's get that guy back. We like that guy. They like him. They, I think it's Braga, but if not him, then Rick Berman, one of the main guys, 
really likes him and and is definitely going out of their way to find ways to to work him into it because they like him. I completely get the I I just said the guy's a great actor, but he is. He, and I'm looking looking at his filmography now, and uh, I just real quick wanted to mention that he's in Flonk's favorite movie, Swing Vote. Ah, of course. So, anyway, sorry. that'll be something to look forward to on election night. <laughs> Hopefully not the only thing to look forward oh, to on election boy. night. And that is the only thing we are going to say on that topic. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. All right. Uh, anyway, Booth beat doesn't make any yeah, sense. Stop it. Yeah. Uh, not, none of this made any sense and nobody liked it. Uh, apparently, Robert Beltran wanted to do this boxing thing like it's a thing he's into. Mm. And <laughs> then he didn't have enough time to get in shape. <clears throat> so he like didn't take his shirt off the whole time. Mm. Like, he's doing a bunch of super strenuous stuff where it would make sense for him to be shirtless. And, hey, he's a good-looking dude, and maybe yeah, he's got a six-pack or something. But, no, he's he's a little ashamed. He's that guy wearing his T-shirt at the pool because, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, I was that guy. Yeah, me too. Till I lost some weight recently. Mm-hmm. Went to the ocean this year, took my shirt off. Ooh. Pretty nice. Nice. That, that is a much more fond memory than this episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> that time I took my shirt off at the beach. Al Goes to the Ocean, a special episode of Pa. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else about this stupid, terrible episode? Uh, just my quote. What do you got? Which I present without comment. La. La. Oh, yeah. I didn't. What? <laughs> yep. Do, do they not have beeps in the future? Nope, they sure don't. Because I, if you don't want context, I'm not going to provide context. Like, I'll. I'll, I'll obey your wishes there, but I will say this is a this is a situation so where beeps would normally be used. For, uh, for instead, the episode, honestly, instead they went with that. Yep. D- don't know. Don't know what to tell All you. All right. You wanna you wanna press forward? I really really do. All right. Let's go. Well, we break the streak because uh-huh. this one's uh, pretty good. Yeah. Actually, uh, think tank. We begin our tale on an alien ship, which is usually a good sign. We're about to follow the lives of some inconsequential nobodies that we've never seen before and will never see again. Why, yes, that is a bit cynical of me, but I've sat through three especially painful episodes of this show in a row, so I feel like I've earned that cynicism. The aliens are an assorted lot and apparently follow the same basic mission statement as Dr. Bashir's autistic commandos back in the Alpha Quadrant. They all have unique genius-level abilities, which they pool to solve the problems of whoever might choose to hire them. Also, they're led by Jason Alexander, whom I didn't immediately recognize the first few moments of screen time because he wasn't screaming. (laughs) Meanwhile, Voyager finds itself surrounded by hostile aliens, different ones, and Janeway is playing with some kind of space Rubik's Cube, so clearly the answer is going to involve puzzle solving in some capacity. Without warning, Jason Alexander pops into her ready room like George Q. Stanza and offers his (laughs) services as an intergalactic troubleshooter and rogue. The two ships exchange pleasantries, and then Jason Alexander makes his offer. Give us an assortment of relatively useless items and also seven of nine, and we'll help you with your hostile alien problem. But that's our best character, replies Kate, making a counteroffer of Neelix, Harold, and Chakotay. Sadly, these guys are geniuses, so they've, heard our, so they've heard our podcast, and they know which characters suck and which do not suck. <laughs> Presumably their counter-counteroffer would be for Naomi Wildman, but things don't get that far. Janeway realizes that the hostile aliens were hired by the Costanza Commandos, and together they work out a way to outsmart them and escape. This all gives us another excellent look at uh, I'm through fucking with you, Kate, which is one of my favorite Kates. As Voyager races away, they hear the cries echoing in the distance. Come back here! We had a pact! (laughs) That's a shame, Janeway mutters. (laughs) Wait, Uncle Leo? (laughs) Jerry! (laughs) Yeah, I struggled not to make this all... 
Seinfeld, <laughs> and and maybe the occasional Duckman. Oh sure, because I watched that show not too long ago. Better than I expected. Like it stood up. Better Duckman's than I a good also, show. They did a they did a Star Trek episode. They also. Did a great Star Trek episode. They did, and pretty good. It's a graphic um, con thing. Yeah, there was a bunch of good stuff in it. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it was that, but they also had Marina Sirtis and... Oh, that's I right. Think, I think John DeLancey, I want to say. I, somebody else from it's Next It's been Gen, a long time since I saw that, but... I saw it like a year ago, yeah. and I, I might be mixing it up with something else, but it was it was pretty good. I mean, I believe... But anyway, Jason Alexander, the, like, the reason they did that on Duckman is because Jason Alexander, huge fan of Star Trek. Yes. And so cool to see him here, and this is your good thing, right? Yeah, it, it, Jason Alexander is amazing in this. Like... When I first saw him in the episode, like, right at the beginning, he sort of steps out in his makeup. And I, I did pick him up right away. But I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I expected him to be the comic relief because he's a comic actor. He was just, like, I think Seinfeld had, like, just ended or might still have been on the air. I couldn't tell you for no, sure. No, no, we're in 99 at this point, and Seinfeld ended in 98. Okay, so, so just, yeah, Seinfeld just ended. Um, yeah. They're all off doing their own respective spinoffs. Or not spinoffs, uh-huh. but, you know, sitcoms. Yeah, next projects. Yeah. And so just, it's, it seems obvious to, like have jason alexander come on to be the comic relief sort of like uh uh andy dick yeah but he's really genuinely creepy in this he has this sort of quiet weird way of talking captain it's very disturbing this sort of captain janeway i would like to negotiate with you i am it's especially disturbing because the the you know obviously the thing he's most famous for is George Costanza but then also Duckman who screamed always like yeah. the two things he his two main roles in the nineties were very yelly characters yes and so this was a huge departure and he did really good job yeah but this uh this one really sort of calls more back to his third most well known role uh North's dad in the movie North <laughs> wow uh-huh. I haven't thought of that movie since probably it came out. The Elijah Wood vehicle North. Wait, wasn't wasn't uh, Bruce Willis in that? I'm sure he was in that. There was a that was one of those movies with a lot of like random celebrities just in it for no reason because it's fucking North. Although I guess it uh, is a Rob Reiner movie. God damn! Why do I know so much about North? I don't know. I'm I'm impressed that North is your go-to and not Dunstan checks in. Oddly enough, I never saw Dunstan checks in. I was too busy watching North. Because <laughs> you could only watch one movie in 1996. That I is correct. That is correct, Al. I chose North, and I stand by North. That's. I mean, look. Given a difference between Rob Reiner, who has made some great movies, uh-huh. and a movie about a monkey in a hotel, I think you made the right <laughs> choice. Okay. Well, first of all, he's not a monkey. He's an ape. Uh, he's an orangutan. Yes. Which I think is a type of ape, yes. That's why Mystery Science Theater uh, calls it the greatest ape movie. Do they? Yes, they do. Go, when, You've been when, doing a rewatch. Go watch Jack Frost. At oh the end, boy. Pearl comes in to tell everyone that the greatest ape movie is Dunstan Checks In. That's fair. No, I, in fact, like, all of you go watch Jack Frost. <laughs> we'll wait. <laughs> wow, looking at North, there was a hell of a cast in that. Oh, yeah. Uh, not only the aforementioned Jason Alexander, John Lovitz, Alan Arkin, Dan Aykroyd, Kathy Bates, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Mm-hmm. So they, they got they got two of the Seinfeld guys in this. Oh, shit. Were they, <laughs> I wonder if they were both Norse parents. That would have been a fuck of a thing to do. I don't know. Uh, Abe Vigoda, John Ritter, and Bruce Willis. So Julia D- Louis-Dreyfus also like the, the, the angry neighbor in uh, uh, Christmas Vacation? I don't remember. I saw that years ago. Mm. 
I don't know. Jason Alexander, just looking looking at the stuff he's been in, has been in a lot of garbage, which is too bad, because he's quite good. He's a very like, good this, actor. This showed me he's not just a good comedic actor. He can play, like, outside of his normal, you know, mm. type, which I was impressed by. Yeah. And yeah, he was he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I was I I mean, really, my good thing is every now and then we get an episode that reminds me of the sort of thing I hope Voyager would be like. Yeah, the aliens are weird. Like we got three different really good designs for humanoid aliens, mm-hmm. and uh, his is not great, but we'll get to that in a sec. Yeah. Uh, and a couple of guys who are not humanoid. We got a cool floaty thing in a tank and a, and a robot guy. Yeah. Um. I, I, so I, but I don't just mean that. I mean their philosophies. Like I like when they create a culture like we've never seen before. These guys are super geniuses who who are similar to the Borg, constantly wanting to add things to their knowledge. Yeah, and so they offer to solve people's problems in exchange for like things that'll make them better. It's like it's like whatever is unique to your culture, which I think is cool. Yeah, like, so it's, it's similar to the Borg, only like asking. more devious. Yeah, yeah. But they also help is that like what I really liked was they weren't inherently evil. Mm -hmm. They were just like they have different morals than our guys. Yeah. No, I love the concept of like these guys who have banded together and it's like, yeah, no, all we want, we're the smartest guys in any room we go into. All we want to do is go like is travel around and solve problems. And okay. Yeah, we're pretty smart now. But if we keep if we do this in exchange for things, we'll be even smarter. Yeah, exactly. And I love like he. There's a moment early in the early in the episode when he's uh, he uh, he's still sort of explaining his philosophy to Janeway, and she's like, "Is there anything you don't do?" And he's like, "Well, listen, we will definitely help out in like wars and shit. Like, we'll happily do like that's not the fucking problem. Yeah. Um, you know, we won't commit genocide because we like the you know people like deserve to have like." Yeah. If there's genocide, then we lose everything about that race. It's a, yeah, so it, it's like we draw the line at a different place than you do. Yeah. That doesn't make them evil. It just makes them like they have different morals than yeah. humans have. That's all. Yeah. No, it's really interesting. Yeah. Which, I like that. And unfortunately, my bad thing. Yeah. Like, I wish it had just been that. I wish it had just been a culture clash between th- these guys who believe a different thing mm-hmm. and our guys. But in addition to that, there was the sudden but inevitable betrayal. Of course. Like. They ended up being the ones who hired the uh, guys who created the situation that they then came to help get them out of. Yeah, like it turns out that they're ma- they're basically making the problems that they're solving, and that seems cheap to me somehow. I yeah, I feel like the story would have worked just as well. Yeah, it's mostly I'm tired of the show faking me out and dumping a surprise in my lap mm. all the time. Like, not everything has to be a surprise. In fact, surprises lose their effectiveness if every single episode has a twist somewhere. Yeah. Like, sometimes just make it straightforward, and then when there is a surprise, it'll really surprise me. Yeah, and the thing is, the think tank is a good enough concept that it could easily hold this episode on its own, you know? No, like, if we if we just had the conflict of, these guys are kind of ruthless by our standards, mm-hmm. and they also, they want to own Seven. Yeah. That's enough. We don't also need, and also they set us up. Yeah, like... I That's like all. that they a can lot. Be, they can be immoral without being untrustworthy. Mm-hmm. I li- and I like. I really like them wanting Seven too. Yeah, and not even like they don't want her as a slave or anything weird like that. They just want to add her. No, to they literally their want group. her to join the crew. Like, it, and I it's think, very similar to the Borg. They want to assimilate her yeah. essentially. And like, I really like that. The the why is like okay. Well, first of all, you're a genius just by yourself. Yeah. Secondly, you're basic since you are the Borg, you basically know everything they know up until you were cut off from them. 
And which is you're the only one who's gone through that and come back. Uh, so that makes you unique. Picard, you're the only it. one. Yeah. Like, so yeah, all all those things, and and we find out through the course of the episode that uh, that Jason Alexander's character um, was uh, traded mm-hmm. for a previous problem and grew up among these guys, like yeah. it, which I thought made it more sympathetic and less like human trafficking and more like no, this is just how we work. Yeah, this happened to me, and I'm happy here now. Yeah, so, like uh, this was the best decision I ever made. I love these guys. Like it's still shady and it's still good conflict, but it it didn't come off as slavery that mm. way. Yeah. Because, like, no, I'm here now. This is cool. Like, you know, the concept is so good. I want to see these guys come, like, come back. I think they'd be great reoccurring villains. Yeah, but on the other hand, I kind of like, like, I like, we're in a nice stretch now where we don't have a lot of recurring guys. Like, we'll see them two or three episodes in a row, Mm -hmm. but we're supposed to be moving across space. We shouldn't be, unless we're in a a big occupied territory, we shouldn't be seeing the same guys every week. I like the idea of them chasing Voyager across the universe like like it's a fucking kid's cartoon. Well, that would be okay. We'll get seven of nine this time. <laughs> now, are they trying to eat her, or are they trying to turn her into gold? Yeah, no, they're going to try and turn her into gold. Okay. Which is a concept I find really funny. <laughs> well, there was there was some serious, like, we talked about this way back in the day on Sarcastic Voyage, about how Gargamel sometimes was trying to eat the Smurfs uh-huh. and sometimes was trying to use them to complete his alchemy spell to turn lead into gold. And like, they they kind of, they're very different things. <laughs> I just assumed he ate gold. Oh, well that he, nicely. He uh, wanted to tra- turn the Smurfs into gold so he could eat them. He can't eat them just as Smurfs. That's ridiculous. No, that w- yeah, who would eat small animals? <laughs> That's crazy. I certainly wouldn't eat anything that I knew lived in a mushroom. I don't know. Then they're mushroom flavor. That's tasty. No, mushrooms are gross. Nah, I disagree. Ugh. And then you pick up a, a Smurf house and it's like a stuffed mushroom. <laughs> stuffed with Smurf. Yeah, exactly. And um, and uh, furniture. Like, you also have to eat a lot of Smurf furniture to get, well, to, the, okay, that's true. To, get to the delicious Smurf inside. <laughs> <laughs> and and if you eat Jokey's house, then it, you might get a little explosion. Yeah, it's... You got those exploding packages. Like that exploding candy again from Willy Wonka. Yeah, of course. Just keeps coming back to Wonka. Apparently. Well, the stranger the Delta Quadrant gets, the more Wonka-esque it is. <laughs> Just driving the boat through space. <laughs> There's no earthly way of knowing. <laughs> That'd be fine. Only if we get to see all our least favorite characters fall into, like... Like, um, Neelix falls into the chocolate lake. Yep. Harry gets turned into a blueberry. (laughs) Blueberry Kim. (laughs) And so on in that fashion. See, the problem is that they use the, they travel by television in like every episode. So Uh, it's not that much of a threat. No, but if, uh, if Chakotay could fall down the thing to, uh, to to the egg incinerator. He was a bad egg. Yeah, it would be okay. No, just just a bland egg. Something with squirrels, because that was in the book version. Yep. That would also be okay. Anyway, I don't know why we're <laughs> wandering off the topic so much, because this episode was quite good. It was really good. Like, apart from my sudden but inevitable betrayal thing, I had I didn't really have a bad thing. No, like, it was um, a really good. Like, like I say, whenever they do something, like, we've never seen aliens quite like this before, like, visually or conceptually. And there was interesting conflict. The guest star was great. Like, every part of this kind of checked boxes the of what i want from the show no and i actually like we haven't actually talked about the specifics of the like the think tank so 
Mm-hmm. There's Jason Alexander, who's, you know, we'll get to that. Um, yeah. There's uh, Grumbles. Some the blue point. guy that we start with. Grumbles the pointy humanoid. Uh-huh. Um, the blue guy actually wasn't even part of the crew. Like, he was just... Like, oh, right, right. That was just the guy we started with. And then we also had the bounty... Too, for, like, yeah, the and the bounty hunters chasing them also looked yeah. good. Um, there's, like, a weird little robot dude that's, like... It reminded me a lot of Nomad from the original series. Oh, yeah. No, it was very sort of cheesy looking, but also it worked. Yeah. And, like, a big squid whale that you don't ever see, and he's in, like, a tank. Yeah, at first, like, when Kate's looking around, she thinks it's, like, a pet or something. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, you got one of these. And I, I, <laughs> you know, that's, I should get one of these for my ready room. <laughs> no, I, I liked it because at first you think, oh, these guys are, like, the collector. Like, we've seen characters like that before. Mm-hmm. Oh, they collect exotic things from across the galaxy. Fine, whatever. But it's no, like, he's no, one of them. the crew. And... Once again, speaking to my love of non, like, weird aliens, non-humanoid aliens, mm-hmm. is like, I it it was so effective that I didn't realize that was a guy. Yeah. Because I believed that, too. Like, oh, that is part of the crew. Oh, I, I that's stupid of me to not assume that an alien has to look human. Well, I mean, in your defense, like, all the aliens On, we ever see. That's true. Mm-hmm. But no, that's great. And then, and then what else? We had some weird... Oh, and the jellyfish guy. Yeah. Who uh, was like his his language was so unusual that the uh, universal translator didn't translate it, yeah, which like, also I like. Yeah, he spoke cousin it quite fluently. <laughs> yep. <laughs> or the cheat, I guess. Uh, I think they're the same language, or at least similar. Actually, that makes a lot of sense. They have similar, like the, like a root language mm-hmm. or something. Cousin it, but, his cu- actual cousin is the cheat. Yeah, that that all tracks. Mm-hmm. Little Thank yellow squeaky day. guy that is fun to kick. <laughs> well, if you shave cousin it, that's what he looks like. Yeah, that makes sense. Totally. No, now I'm picturing like thing just wandering around the think tank ship. Yep. Just like disembodied hand <laughs> running around. Thank you. Thing. What do you think, thing? All right. <laughs> but no, it's it is it is a very cool concept. Yeah. And I like it, and I like that again. Adding seven to their thing isn't a hostile thing they just think they'd be better for it yeah and no we she... haven't we haven't brought anyone new in in i think they say 17 years mm. i was like no you're gonna be great and she like her her knee-jerk thing is i don't wanna yeah but she does entertain the notion and she does acknowledge that there's some cool things about it that might kind of be cool yeah i like that it's like i don't really want to travel through no I, we've been through this in a few different episodes this is my collective i, I think i covered that uh, i don't need to spend a whole lot of time with the chess club i don't think <laughs> plus i've heard about this costanza guy oh god i mean <laughs> the big the big salad incident alone <laughs> poor seven just killed off because she was downstairs licking envelopes <laughs> well you know uh uh when he and susan were talking about having a kid they talked about naming their kids seven. Oh shit that's right so, I, I, Memory Alpha reminded me of that. I, I didn't notice that. On my oh, mind, yeah. That was pretty cool. I was something forgetting about I did, that. Yeah. Something I did notice um, that, that uh, we talked about before we started recording. We've had a lot of problems with this show, obviously. Sure. And a lot of problems with various boring guest stars. But when you get your high-profile guest star, your name guy, mm-hmm. they've pretty much always, in my memory anyway, used them effectively. Like, oh, yeah. we went back through the list in our head of, like, all the guys who were kind of big deals mm-hmm. and they've all been very good. Yeah. 
and they did a good job with him. They did a good job with Sarah Silverman yep. and uh, Andy Dick, surprising and, and, and Andy Dick, who we both hate. Yeah, we quite liked, and um, Laurie Petty recently. Oh yeah, I forgot about Laurie Petty. Yeah, yeah. People who were pretty big TV stars or maybe just went on to it later or movie stars like have been used effectively, which makes me hopeful for the rock episode that's still coming. Yeah, I got bad news, man. Uh, it's too bad. Yeah. That was the problem so, was that it was so early in his career that like no one knew that he was also a good actor. Yeah, but Sarah Silverman was nobody at this point, too. Yeah. And she was still like sometimes their natural brilliance <laughs> shines through. Excuse me. No, that was like in that case, that was literally just a cross promotion thing because UPN yeah, picked I know. up SmackDown. Right. Yeah, but he's one of those guys. And we'll get to this when we get to that episode. Mm. But he's one of those guys. I don't think I've seen him in a single thing that I like just because I haven't. Mm-hmm. But I still like him. I still see how he's inherently likable oh, and yeah. charming. Like, I want to like him in something I just haven't yet. I, no, I've seen him in plenty of stuff that I like. I, the, the Rock is an extremely talented actor. But he's like he's, he's like Bruce Campbell. Mm-hmm. Bruce Campbell's done a lot of crap. And oh, for a absolutely. long time, I didn't, I didn't see any good Bruce Campbell things. I still saw what the deal was. Mm-hmm. But I just didn't see him in anything good and didn't understand why he was a big deal. Sure. And I've only seen some of the shitty things The Rock's been in. So, you know. Mm-hmm. You can understand why I might not oh, see that. But it's... But what I'm saying is it still shines through despite that. Mm-hmm. But anyway. I follow you. No, I, I think they used uh, Jason Alexander super effectively here. And I think, like I say, playing out of type like, made Definitely. me happy. I mean, it would be yeah. so easy to write around Jason Alexander and just have like another yelling. Like it would be so easy to make him a, like a Ferengi, you know? Oh, God, yeah. That would be the easiest thing. <laughs> him and Jerry Stiller. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Serenity now, humans! <laughs> <laughs> in this case serenity now is a ship they're trying to steal right which will not get a second season no it got a movie it, calm down yeah it's over guys you lost why the it's fuck a- am i still getting offers of a firefly uh monthly pack i don't know like i get like i get loot crate right so i get ads uh-huh. for all the different kinds of loot crate why the fuck is there a firefly one firefly has been off the air like 15 years now the thing is, it was good. We we enjoyed it. Yeah. I love that show. It's that over was now. Fantastic. Calm down. It's over. Yeah. I don't know. It's you could over, say Mr. the same Lebowski. thing about... The bum's lost. <laughs> you could say the same thing about Star Trek. It only got a couple of seasons. What's the big deal? That Well, you got me there. And people kept, like, you know, like, like shouting until more things happen. Mm-hmm. So maybe they think that's going to happen. I don't know. I mean, everything has come back now. That is true. Every show, like, we think is gone forever is back. Mm. I mean, for Christ's sake, Mystery Science Theater's coming back. <laughs> I never, like, n- never. No, never if you would ask me, well, if a TV show could come back, well, it certainly won't be Mystery Science Theater. No, we already got Rift Tracks and Cinematic Titanic close enough, but the, we're never going to get Servo and Crow and all that. Like, this is never going to happen you got to purse your beak. Wrong. I'll purse your beak. <laughs> So what was your bad thing about this episode? Uh, Jason Alexander's makeup is not very good. Yeah, we went through the list of all the, the really cool looking guys. but uh, the, the, the problem, too, is like normally it would just be like, yeah, this makeup's not fine. Not that great. You know, like we see that shit all the time. Well, um, we, we usually like I'm pretty sure there's two makeup guys and one of them is great and one of them is terrible. Yeah. One of them always lies. Yeah. And says they do good makeup and one of them actually does good makeup. <laughs> but like it just... Him up against the rest of the aliens in this episode, and they're all great. Yeah, they went way out of their way. Like we can name four or five different yeah. 
distinctive alien designs that all look good in this episode. And then and then there's George. It just makes him stand out. And the only thing I can think of is that they like, well, we got fucking Jason Alexander. We want people to recognize him. He's got a even even doing this voice, mm-hmm. which he doesn't typically do. He's got a very distinctive voice. Yes, he does. Like you listen just to an does. audiobook by Jason Alexander, son, you're gonna know it's by Jason Alexander. It's definitely not Billy West doing a Jason Alexander impression. That is absolutely accurate. Or I don't know who's Billy West now. Like who's the guy who does all the impressions? There must be a more current reference than that. I, I think it's Billy West. Still, he's still working. Like, yeah, I know, but I just I assume there's a go-to guy now. Like, if you want your sound alike, I don't know, Al. I'm not as up on impressionists as I once was. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but I'm he, really you know. into dudes who make sound effects with their mouths now. Well, who's the new Michael Winslow? Oh, it's still Michael Winslow. Nothing can kill oh. him. Uh, I mean, he'll die one day. No. He'll he'll think he's making a bullet sound, but it's actually the bullet that comes to kill him. <laughs> you never make the sound of the bullet that kills you. Right. I'm pretty sure I've read that somewhere. No, the thing is, if you if you buried him under a bunch of makeup, uh, uh, Jason Alexander, not, not uh, Michael Winslow. I swear no. to God, I, I thought you were going to say, if you buried him under a bunch of rubble, <laughs> you'd, he'd probably get killed then, Matt. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Could be. No, he'd just turn into Robocop and dig his way out. I thought you said rubble cop at first, and I was picturing Barney Rubble as a cop, which actually was a thing that happened. Hey, Fred. They were, uh, Fred and Barney were cops for a while. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. I think, I think around that, that was around the time they were hanging out with the thing. Yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) Anyway, no, if if you would put Jason Alexander under tons of, you know, like, Klingon level, Ferengi level, Mm -hmm. just like, obscuring makeup, I still think we'd know who he was, and I still think his good performance would shine through. Absolutely. You don't need, you know. They buried Wallace Shawn under a ton of makeup, and his good performance still came Oh, through. you obviously knew who that was. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing it this time. Aw. I already shouted as George. <laughs> I was waiting, because he did have that creepy voice. I was really hoping he would say, what the hell are you staring at? What the hell are you staring at? <laughs> it was very HAL 9000. Yep. Which I liked. I'm not but I really like particular time. I'm just from the universe where you talk like this. Ow, my ears. <laughs> but I really liked, um, even at the end, when he was angry, he still didn't. Mm-hmm. Like, he was still that. Because what ends up happening, and I, I mentioned this in my summary, is we get super jerk Kate, who teams up with the, the guys who helped frame them in the first place. And she basically leaves them for dead. Yep. And just like, well, I think our work is done here so long. <laughs> And that's the point where he'd be screaming, Jerry, Jerry. And, and he didn't like he was still like pretty subdued. Like, well, we're going to die. That's not a good thing. I don't want to. I don't think I want to die here on NPR. <laughs> You're listening to Jason Alexander as the alien in the think tank. But yeah, he looked he just terrible. Like they basically just threw the worst wig on him uh-huh. and put a vagina between his eyes and called it a day. <laughs> we were saying it's like. It's like, listen, Jason, we're gonna we gotta do pretty light on the makeup. What do you you know? As long what have as you always want, wanted? Please give me hair. <laughs> Just beautiful. Like, I know we made a bunch of jokes about that on that joke show I did, but really, I want hair. I don't like this, and this is what I'm doing with it. <laughs> I was reading a memory alpha apparently at least once when he blew a take, he screamed Jerry. <laughs> Which I don't know if that's just natural for him or if he did it to amuse people because that show had just gone off the air or what. But a little both. That would have been pretty great. 
when things don't go right for him, he just curses Jerry Seinfeld. Well, don't we all? Really? Uh, yeah. Okay. I Anything don't else? I've known to shake my fist to get comedians in cars getting coffee. I, I've liked that, but I've mostly tune out the Jerry Seinfeld parts. What kind of car is this? B movie. Oh, God. <laughs> B movie. There's something I was hoping to never think about ever again. That's a movie about a woman who dates a bee. <laughs> is it? Yes. A human woman? A human woman who dates a bee. Dates a bee. Uh huh. Huh. It's not Samantha Bee, is it? Mm, I, I wish. Because otherwise that doesn't really make sense. Nope. Oh, that's too bad. Well, well anyway, this episode. Yeah. Uh, anything else about this episode? I don't know if we've hit enough obscure movies in this episode. Nah, that was barely obscure. North. We're, all, we're, we're only going to obscure 90s movies. Like, we need to go further back, mm. really. Uh, no, Actually, that's everything no. I wanted to talk about with this, like... B-Movie was only, like, ten years ago, so I don't oh, even know. man, B-Movie yeah. was only ten years ago. If that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they made it since I've lived here, so yeah. Well, they referenced it on 30 Rock, so... Oh, well, that doesn't mean anything. They referenced a lot of old stuff on 30 That's Rock. true. Anyway, um, my quote... Yes. ...is, uh, yeah. Th- so, yeah, early on in the episode, they have this sort of goofy-looking Rubik's Cube thing. Uh-huh. And, of course, naturally, that telegraphs that later we're going to be solving a puzzle, because mm-hmm. that's how Star Trek do. And But Seven, uh, very Kirk-like, says, well, yeah, you could solve it the right way, or... Seven, how'd you do that? I scanned the device. Its mechanism operates on a simple fractal regression. You scanned it? That's cheating. Cheating is often more efficient. Which made me laugh. Yeah. I like that the Borg are not beyond, like, well, yeah, uh, yeah you could play by the rules and maybe lose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you could not play board, by the you're rules in it to win it. Yes. So it being yeah. total galactic domination. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's all for this time. Um, I I guess we're uh, hopefully on a, on an uptrend now. Yep. Maybe because it was rough there for a bit, but but that one was good. Yep. So. Hopefully, more good stuff next week. Oh, our our friend Caitlin will be joining us again. Oh, wonderful. Uh, and she chose that episode. She specifically said, uh, yes, I want this one. So, so presumably that's a, good a, sign. a seven heavy episode. Yes, presumably a good seven episode. Uh-huh. So that's that's good. So looking forward to that. All right. um, as usual, the website, postomichorror.com, uh, the, the email address, postomichorror at gmail. Postomichorror.tumblr.com. Uh, oh, yeah, the Tumblr. Uh, that, you can that follow thing. us on Twitter at uh, Algar and at RobotMatt. Oh, yeah, we're all over the damn place. We are all over the damn place. Yep. Uh, So that's all for this time. Yep. Uh, See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2016. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this. Mm -hmm.